Encounter Grace, where we come face to face with God's work in the world for our good. Join host Jason McKnight as we explore practical issues of community, theology, and leadership in everyday life. Hey, welcome to Encounter Grace. We're so glad you're with us. Ben and I are here in the studio, and we'd love to say we're coming to you live from the Bahamas or something, because one day we will. But right now, we're up here in the Encounter Grace studio, and we love being here and sharing with you. Today, we're going to talk about something that at Grace, we spent the spring talking about, the first three or four months of the year, talking about the kingdom of God. What is God doing on earth? Now, Ben, if we spent four months talking about that and, and going through it on Sunday mornings, why should we come back and do another episode on the kingdom of God here a couple of months later? Yeah, I think simply because it's one of the most important and influential lessons in all of Scripture. Mm. I mean, we see it all the way in the Old Testament with God building a kingdom, building His church, mm. uh, building His people yeah. so that He can reign with His people. And we see how that ultimately influences and what that looks like specifically in the New Testament as Jesus is inaugurating and has inaugurated the kingdom of God, and he's bringing his presence through his people here on earth. So the way that I love that Jeremy Treat wrote about yeah, it in Seek this. First, he says, God's reign through God's people in God's place. And so we look at that and just break that down into those three parts. We see how influential it is just practically as well as theologically, mm. that God's reign, that one, God is reigning, that he does have power. It's not just in the heavens, but it's specifically here. And what does that actually mean? What does that look like? But also, who is he reigning for and who is he reigning through? And so we see that's God's people. Who are God's people? Right. Who is the church? How does that happen? And what does that ultimately mean for us? What does it mean to be God's people and to, and to be followers of him? And then lastly, in God's place, where is God reigning? What is he doing? And then what is that, again, very applicably, what does that mean for us and how that we live our lives? Our daily lives. Because one of the beauties is, and what we'll get to touch on, is that God's reign is happening through God's people, through us, through you, in wherever he's called you to be. That's helpful. That's influential. And it's everywhere in Scripture. I mean, yeah. especially as Jesus in the Gospels and the kingdom of God is here, the kingdom of God is here, and so forth. But not only is it important, influential in Scripture, there's also another reason why it's worth us coming back and reminding ourselves what it means to be part of the kingdom of God. Yeah, I think it's because it's one of the most misunderstood aspects of Scripture. Yeah. That, again, it, it's so influential and so well-known that even when Jesus comes on the scene— the Jews at the time are misunderstanding what he's meaning by that. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I think the truth is, so do we, yeah. that we often just simply see the kingdom of God as being a place in heaven that one day we will go up to and that we get to leave all this and who cares what we accomplish here because we're going there. Mm. But one of the great realities of scripture is that it, it's very clear that God is a coming down God, yeah. that wherever we are, he's coming to us. And he's bringing all of heaven, all of his kingdom, all of his power, and all of his reign to here. Ben, I think that's your next book, The Coming Down God. <laughs> How the Son and the Spirit and then ultimately even the Father come down to earth. That'll preach, anyway, man. That'll preach. Well, okay, so let's let back. You know me. I love context. So I'm yeah. going to back up. I'm going to zoom the camera out a little bit. And Scripture tells two stories. On the one hand, the story of God creating all things in utter sovereignty and pure power. And that, and Scripture tells us, he sustains every part of creation and history and every each person on the earth. Mm -hmm. As um, Kuiper, Abraham Kuiper famously said, there's not one square inch of the entire universe over which God does not declare mine. Mm -hmm. 
God is overall. Or uh, I love R.C. Sproul. Uh, you know, he said, there are no maverick molecules. Everything is upheld by Christ. And Scripture tells us all over the place. Okay, but also Scripture tells a deeper story. The story of God's intimate and saving relationship with a special people mm. for the good of all creation. You know, I chose you out of all the peoples of the earth, Deuteronomy 7. Or you're going to be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, uh, a treasured possession, Exodus 19, 1 Peter 2. So this deeper story is what we're thinking about when we think of God's kingdom. Yes, all the whole world and all of the universe, God is over and he upholds and created and he's sovereign over. But there's a special deeper story that God is telling with a special people, a specific people of his choosing, that he's redeeming them to bless the world. I kind of think of it, so we call, call that the kingdom, I kind of think of it the difference between God as emperor and God as king. Mm. Emperor is sort of a wide swath and you might be in the empire, like in the Russian empire, or the British empire, but you might never ever get close to seeing the king, okay, yeah. but you're still under that sovereignty. But a kingdom, you know, like there's the king of Norway or there's the king of Denmark or whatever. Uh, and the, this is a smaller and a more identified person mm. over a group of people. Anyway, I think it's helpful to remember those two stories being told because, wait, you're saying God rules over his kingdom. Does he not rule over the whole world? Well, yes. But in our terms, maybe you could say as emperor versus as king. Yeah, that's helpful. And I think so one of the clearest ways to kind of get a bigger understanding of of what the kingdom yeah. of God is kind of, I mean, one to look to scripture and see what is it specifically saying to us, right? And so what's really cool is as we look at these, and, and I'll read some of the verses down and you guys can look at them later. Uh, it's definitely worth doing. Is we see some some characteristics and some like paradoxical feeling mm. senses of the kingdom. And so it'll be things like this, like John 18, 6, that it's not of this world. That's true, Jesus to Pilate. Yeah, yep, my and kingdom's then not of this world. Ma Matthew 6, 10, it comes from heaven. Hmm. Uh, Luke 17, and uh, it, it's here today. That, But it's also, it's coming in the future. Huh. Like such an interesting outlet, but we also enter it now. Or one that I love is that Paul in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, we will inherit it in the future. So we enter it now, we inherit it in the future. I mean, yeah. it's a paradox. Yeah, right? So it's something, yeah. And it's not of this world, but it's in like, this world. We're getting, it's quick, it's easy to see why we have that kind of that phrase, the already, not yet. But the one that I think mm -hmm. I love, uh, the two that I love the most are these last two. And it's Romans 14, 17, that the kingdom of God is not laws, but presence with God. Mm -hmm. That's helpful. I need to hear yeah. that. That so often I kind of reduce God's reign and his kingdom to the, to his decrees, yeah, yeah, not which, his presence. Which Romans fourteen seventeen says the the kingdom is the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking yeah. laws, but what is it of peace and joy yeah. in the Holy Spirit, of yeah. righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I learned it, the song in Sunday school. It's a, I'm glad you know it off the top of your head. And then lastly was that Luke, famous Luke 10, 9, where we kind of learned this lesson that it's, again, it's God's presence in God's people. Mm. Again, we need to hear that. Yeah. Again, where we can often misunderstand that the kingdom of God isn't just this reign in heaven where right. God's saving us from, but it's actually his presence here specifically through his people. Mm -hmm. That's helpful. Mm -hmm. And it gives us a theology of how God is ultimately reigning and how he's going to influence the world around us. Mm -hmm. That again, he's not going us like kind of to the side of, of, of his people. He's yeah. going through his people. That's helpful yeah. and should be encouraging. I think to all of us that like, look, I, I can, we can all be honest. Like we all have our, 
like issues and we all have our shortcomings and God's still going, still willing to use us despite those things for his own good and for his own glory. Mm -hmm. He's inviting us into that work. That's a great thing. And only it's only something that happens in the kingdom. Yeah. I almost wonder if we should call up Jeremy Treat with his God's reign through God's people in God's place and say, but let's add a time factor there. Hmm. Because the paradox of I'm in the kingdom, but I'm going to inherit the kingdom. Like when I come to Christ and believe in Jesus, I'm already in the kingdom, but future down the road, I'm going to inherit the kingdom or I'm going to enter the kingdom, the already not yet. I wonder if we need to add God's reign through God's people in God's place now and in the future yeah, in different right? ways. I mean, I don't know how you get that. Obviously, I don't make up bumper stickers because I get things too long. Well, but yeah. there, there, this already not yet tension, this paradox that it's here, it's not here fully, that we're in it, we're not in it fully, or maybe that's not the right way to say it. We will yeah. get to be in it even deeper uh, in the future. So that is like, it's true. There's this longing for heaven that we have the hope in the gospel, but still it doesn't mean Jesus is not reigning now. Hmm. Anyway, I love these, um, this, I, you know, anytime I can see paradox in scripture, (laughs) like I love it, you know, God's sovereignty, but that we make real choices, that Jesus is 100% God, 100% man, that the word is 100% written by God, 100% written by humans. All of this paradox, I think is so helpful because it just reminds me that I'm finite and I'm worshiping a great God. And we need that. We do. (laughs) Because if there's one thing I know about me, it's like, I should be on the throne. Yeah. You know. All right. So we see that like okay, this yeah. great power and this great just I think uh, movement and uh, of just the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. So Jason, like, how does it affect us? What where do we see it in our lives? Well, and here's the thing. Now we get down to where we all live because it's so easy to have a sacred secular divide. To think that God blesses the sacred, i.e. when we come to church, when we're in house church, when we're serving in ministry, when we're in a Bible study, Christian music and all that kind of stuff. Um, But then the secular, when I go to work or when I'm coaching the team or when I'm helping out at dance or whatever, God doesn't care about that or isn't over that. Hmm. Um, And maybe over it in an emperor way, but is he over it in a king way? So what does the kingdom of God affect? I'm telling you everything, (laughs) everything. It affects our work. It affects our leisure. It affects our politics. It affects how we handle money. It affects our lifestyle decisions. It affects our marriages, our families, our friendships, our relationships, our shopping, our Amazon. Like it affects everything in a good way. Not only does it affect it, but all of those things can become the place that God is reigning through his people as we adopt this understanding, as we live in the paradox and the characteristic mm-hmm. that God is reigning through his people. In other words, you start asking yourself the question, if that, that great little Jeremy Treat bumper sticker, God's reign through God's people over God's place, I just ask myself, well, right now, how does God want to extend his reign How does he want me, because he's going to reign through his people, how does he want me to bring his agenda and his power to bear on this situation? And how will this place look more like God is on the throne? Hmm. Because I've been here asking these questions. I mean, how does he want to extend his reign right now? See, that's not always the first question I ask. Yeah, right. Is how can I be more comfortable? Or how can I win this argument? Or how can uh, I get the best for my family? But if I say, how does God want to extend his reign right now? Mm -hmm. And then how does he want to use me to do it? 
And then how will this place look more like God is on the throne? Because well, I, of whatever. I just love the way that, I mean, you're, you even frame it there because I think so often we can kind of frame Christianity or walks with the Lord. And then sometimes even then the kingdom of God as this place where you do just follow the rules mm-hmm. instead of like just being invited into something to do a great work through the, I mean, the Lord to do a great work through you. Yeah. Like exactly what you just said is so unbelievably encouraging. Like I've look as someone who's been in ministry for I mean, a little while now, like I've seen the, how finite and how little I can accomplish just in the world and in things. But I've also seen how, or just how much the Lord can impact and all that he can do yeah. through me or just in general. And I want to be a part of that. And like, don't you think he only uses the Billy Grahams? I always, you know, and maybe people today don't even remember who Billy Graham was, but don't you think he only uses, the, but no, he uses people like you, Ben, even, yeah, even you. me, yeah. <laughs> all of us, like all of us. And he delights to, it's like you're a little mustard seed in his hand. I am too. All of us Gosh, are. almost seems scriptural. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's just give an example pretending you're, you're in this conflict situation at work. So you're, you're working at the hospital or you're, you're working in your company or whatever. And it's the office and everybody, look, wherever there's humans, there's going to be conflict. It's just part of life and how we do it. Well, how do we do it kingdom wise? Hmm. All right. God's reign through God's people over God's place. God wants me to be a peacemaker. We know that. Blessed are the peacemakers. Like that's part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus is I'm a peacemaker. I'm not someone always stirring things up. Yeah. In Christ anyway. Uh, Second Corinthians, he gives us a ministry of reconciliation. Ultimately with God, with through Christ, but also on this earth. And like think of another thing. Like here's Jesus full of grace and truth. So obviously Jesus' people are going to aim for grace and truth. It doesn't mean doormat because truth matters. Okay, peacemaker, ministry of reconciliation, grace and truth. Okay, God's going to, if there's this conflict situation at work, God's going to extend his reign through me when I'm a peacemaker and a reconciler and bringing truth and helping truth come out and being gracious about it. Mm. So I'm looking at the conflict that I'm in the middle of and wait, did I misunderstand something? Do I have a different agenda? Like if if that guy gets the sales contract, I'm not going to get it. And then I'm going to miss out on money. And wait, my agenda was money the whole time. Or do I just not want the person to win because they bug me so much? We've all worked with people that bug us. Like, let's not kid ourselves. Sometimes we just want to put them down. Look, if God's going to bring truth and grace and peacemaking and reconciliation, he's going to use me to do it. I get to start examining that. And then what we discover is that at that moment that I start examining what my role in the conflict is and where maybe my misunderstanding or my sin or my desires are trumping anything else, at that moment that I'm doing the work of peacemaking, reconciling, bringing truth and grace, that place is looking more like God's kingdom. Hmm. It's looking more like God intends it to look. And over time, that changes culture. So anyway, that's just kind of a little example of conflict at work. You can do a hundred others. You can run them through those three questions. How does God want me to extend his reign right now? Uh, Or how does God want to? And how does he want me to join him in his agenda and his power and and bring his power to bear an agenda? And then thirdly, how is this place going to look more like God's on the throne because of Mm -hmm. what I'm doing? All right, so that's sort of an example. Uh, that's where we are and what it affects in our work and our leisure and our uh, money and our family yeah. and friendships. Okay, 
What does it all mean for us, Ben? Like, how do we, what, what are some of the outcomes of that? Yeah, I, th- I think the we need the reminder that our primary identity as kingdom people mm. is subjects to the king. Like, whether we're looking yeah, at yeah, in yeah. olden days or even when we looked at Great Britain right now, like, these are people who are subjects to the king or queen, right? Mm-hmm. And so there are certain responsibilities and blessings that come with being a subject to the king. And so that's yeah, like things like yeah. protection mm, of the kingdom. Yeah. Like there's a reason why kingdoms often have walls. They're there to protect. Mm-hmm. And you have the protection of the king. Great. Things like fellowship within the kingdom, mm. that we are people of the same kingdom, that unites us, that bonds us together. I, we're not part of that kingdom over there. We're part of this kingdom. That's who we are. So fellowship. Three, authority from the kingdom. There's a certain yeah. level of power that comes from having the authority that represents that kingdom. It's the having the banner, the, the flag in your hand. It's having the, maybe it's the flag on your arm or, or on your shield or wherever, yeah. uh, whatever yeah. time period we are, that you have a certain authority that comes from you. You see that in scripture that, I mean, when Paul is in trouble, he literally drops, I'm a citizen from Rome. Right. Like that's right. authority. Yep. Yep. If you mess with me, you're messing with this kingdom. Mm-hmm. And then lastly is reign of the kingdom that, the king is reigning. Their power, and this merges with authority pretty quickly, but their their authority, their army, that like that, you are a part of that, yeah. and all of that power represents a part of something that you're in. So protection, fellowship, authority, reign. There's more of those things, mm-hmm. but these are all kind of blessings and part of what it means to be a part of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so the question then is, who then are we in this kingdom today? Right. right. And so I think. To be broad, primarily it means that we're models and heralds of the king. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it means that the longer you spend a part of the uh, uh, within the kingdom, the more you begin to look like the king. Yeah. Because his kingdom is ultimately for his glory, mm-hmm. and it's setting mm-hmm. us up for one our own joy and flourishing, but ultimately to look like him. Which guess what brings joy and flourishing. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but we're also heralds as well. That we get to. We also he commissions us not to just stay within the walls and safety of the kingdom, but to take all of the giftings, all of the talents that we have, to go outside of the walls, to face uncertainty, and even rejection, and to go out to the other kingdoms in the world, mm-hmm. or the other influences and aspects yep. and yep. whatever in the world and be able to be heralds for the true king. Mm-hmm. And one of the, probably the most uplifting thing for that is again, the God who, or the king who doesn't need us, who doesn't need his subjects, right. is still willing to invite us to go do his work. And it's not a burden, that's an invitation. Mm-hmm. And one that I, I think we can often lose sight of how much of a joy that really is, because in every step and every word that we say as heralds and models, we look a little bit more like Jesus. We sound a lot more like Jesus. And we start to actually be more like Jesus. We start to look more like the king. Mm-hmm. And so our primary role as people within the king or within the kingdom is to be models and heralds of the king, That's imitators good. of the king. That's good. We need to know that. So then the question is, what does that look like again in wherever you're at? Right. As a model of the king, as yep. a herald of the king. And because the kingdom is our deepest identity, it means when we are thriving in our workplace, in our neighborhoods, on our coaching, there's a sense in which we're exiles there. We're not 100% at home in those other places. 
And that's okay. That's like this, this dual nature, because if I'm a herald of the king, it means I belong to the king. And then wherever else he has me, I'm a little bit derivative. I'm, I'm not, yep. it's, it's not my thorough or ultimate home. And that's a good thing, which leads us to the idea of part of thriving in the kingdom is settling your expectations or putting on whatever lenses we need to wear. Lenses or worldviews. Mm. Um, what we expect Jesus to do drives us in our lives. If you don't think Jesus ever shows up, you don't really pray. Yep. You know, like, like yeah. you've all, we've all either been at that part or, or been with someone like this where they, just, they just, just don't have the real confidence that Jesus cares about them and they don't, mm. their prayers are, are rote or they're non-existent. So how we expect Jesus to show up is super important to how we live in the kingdom. But if we expect something that Jesus isn't promising, that's going to affect us too. One of the things here as we wrestle because we love our children and our families, if we, you know, if we're if we're if we're married or or parents, we think that's the center of our lives, but actually that's derivative. Jesus and the kingdom are the center of our lives and our kids and our wives or husband, they're part of Jesus' plan for our lives, but he and the kingdom are the center of our lives. Amen. Where we live as a country, you know, if you live in the United States and you're a great patriotic American, that's a great thing, but that's derivative, that's secondhand, because our primary identity is, a, is the kingdom identity. Hmm. One thing that gives me great hope is that Jesus... In Jesus' day, people misunderstood this all the time. They wanted the king to conquer. They wanted the king to make the kingdom on this world in the only way they could see, which is someone to take the place of Rome. So geopolitical army, uh, good laws that would bring for human flourishing, because the Roman laws did not bring for human flourishing (laughs) unless you were a senator, you know, kind of thing, or a citizen. But here's what they... And if they could misunderstand Jesus, it gives me great hope because I feel like in my life, I'm misunderstanding it all the time. Mm. Like, I'm working at it, but I'm misunderstanding it. And I'm like, no, but my, my retirement account has to increase or it's a bad decision. Yep. You know, a, and it's like, well, that's not a kingdom thing. There's prudence. There's Proverbs prudence in saving up for the rainy day, but it's not a kingdom priority that that happens. Now, mm. you know, Jesus' day, they misunderstood him. So too. It is important for us to keep coming back to this again and again. Wait a minute. God's reign through God's people over God's place. That's my primary identity. I'm a son or a daughter of the king. I'm the heir of the king. I'm in his family. But it's God's reign over God's people, uh, over God's, through God's people, over God's place. That's the primary identity. And that helps us. Because I think mm-hmm. as believers, especially in our world of uh, of ease and prosperity, and, and not complete ease, like everyone suffers, but in, in a place of opportunity, let's say, and prosperity, and good inputs means a better output. Like that's how our society in the U.S. is, it, like work hard, you get rewarded, and, and that's all the, the where we live. Um, it's easy for me to start thinking, well, I'm on the winning team, everything ought to go better for me now. Hmm. And, and that's just the lens that I put on sometimes that I shouldn't because that's just not the gospel. And when we expect Jesus to fulfill promises he doesn't make, but that I've adopted, it leads me to false hopes. 
And when yeah. Jesus doesn't fulfill the promises he's never made, that ends me with dashed hopes. Yeah, I say that all the time, probably just in my own life, as I'm expecting, uh, I think, Jesus to expand my kingdom. And I feel like he's made promises to do that, which he hasn't, by the way. Right. Instead of ultimately his promise to expand his. Mm-hmm. And so our open hands over everything and saying, Lord, your kingdom, how can I be part of yeah. you bringing your reign right here? Well, this is just a little bit of a reminder and a primer and a joy because, like you said, Jesus' way is the best way and Jesus' life is the best life. However you said that earlier, yeah. but it's so true. Like we're not, we're giving up, yes, but we're gaining a million fold mm. back by ordering our lives under the true king. So Ben, thank you for uh pushing us a little bit and leading us. Great conversation here. And thank you all for joining us today. And we hope that as you consider again and afresh what the kingdom of God is, you'll be reminded and be uh, more in love with who the king is. Amen. All right. Well, come back the next time. Thanks. Like and subscribe. And we'll see you on Encounter Grace again. This is a ministry of Grace Fellowship Church in Kinston, North Carolina. Visit gracekinston.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.